0: Tokyo has some of the strangest, yet grand, architecture on Earth, which is a bizarre notion when accounting for the town's past as a relatively rural area with buildings on wooden foundations. Yet somehow, it was transformed into a sprawling beacon of technology and modernization. That was not without cost. As you'll see in a moment, modernization sometimes means madness. Welcome to Tokyo's Business District, where a bizarre, yet marvelous building once stood unlike any other the capsule tower its design resembled that of beehives more than a standard apartment building yet in theory each room or capsule was completely interchangeable from the inside out it could be modified or removed without damaging the tower itself or even inconveniencing other tenants so how did this monstrosity come to be and why did it ultimately fall today we discover japan's lost capsule tower I'm your host, Ryan Sokesh, and you're watching It's History. In many ways, the story of the capsule tower really starts in the aftermath of World War II, when Japan was in a time of recovery, aided by the United States. It wouldn't really be until the 1970s that the country began taking shape, as by that time, Japan had recovered from the vast majority of damage to its infrastructure and industry. The recovery was akin to a new industrial revolution, which some referred to as Japan's economic miracle. It was during this so-called economic miracle that Japan also acquired the reputation it has today being a country ahead of its time. Major cities were projecting an image of technological giants with modern yet artistic architecture curiously blended with the remaining classical architecture that was undamaged or rebuilt after the war. It wasn't uncommon for wealthier society members to contribute artistically and economically to the country in a direct manner. And importantly, the technological and creative mindset of the time sought to tackle one of the massive problems the economic boom had created extreme shortage of housing. You see, at the end of World War II, half of the Japanese people lived in many rural areas of the country, but by the 1970s, that number shrank to under 30%. Inroads were made all over the country, expanding the more traditional countryside into urban or suburban districts, the capital nonetheless remaining Tokyo. The city's population exploded with growing job opportunities making affordable housing increasingly hard to find. The solution to this challenge required inventing an entirely new architectural theory, metabolism. Some felt metabolism architecture would be the answer to this crisis. A new philosophy focused on organic and mechanical integration, and at its core, the philosophy urged more natural urban planning. According to proponents back then, buildings should be able to expand upwards before expanding out. They should also incorporate residential and commercial usage. Some even believed that recreational areas could be shared. These designs could be as minor as a house with a room to grow, with walls hidden under the floor until needed, or an entire city built within a single massive tower. Which brings us to Japan's first real life example of this architecture. The city tower, as it was called, was imagined as a type of tree trunk that could grow upwards in branches as it grew to accommodate more and more people. While the movement was still young and unknown, its members were highly respected intellectuals, architects, and professors. So Japan had the theory, but how did this all work in practice? Let's have a look. As implausible as the idea of a city tower or a moving city might be, Even the theorists suspected that they might be impossible to implement. You see, no matter how much construction methods and resource availability evolved, physics will remain the same. Physics, after all, don't care about the philosophy behind the construction. So with that in mind, compromise was made, with a sharp division between ideology and practicality. All the same, they gave it their best shot. The first practical example of this architecture was in 1961, when a broadcasting group approached an esteemed architect to design a new headquarters for their business. The tower would later incorporate offices, technical areas, break rooms, and cafeterias without obstructing the surrounding city. It also needed to be built to allow further vertical expansion, all while accommodating three different corporations under one roof, with many shared spaces. The result was a unique design with elements of columns facing up from the roof to accommodate future floors should they be added. The idea caught on and other examples began popping up all over central Japan, bringing us to the most famous and iconic of them all, the capsule tower. Most of us have seen typical Japanese capsule towers as hotels, where rooms are simple boxes, only comfortable enough to sleep in and offer bare necessities. This tower was drastically different. You see, the complex consisted of a pair of towers with elevators and stairs in a central area, with all rooms affixed to the outside. The rooms themselves consisted of 140 large, detachable capsules, about nine square meters inside each. From the onset, most agreed that this building resembled a stack of beehives or washing machines from afar the name of the game was practicality and mass production the two towers one 11 floors and the other 13 all had adjoining rooms and were built within two years with the grand opening in 1972. while they were tight they did contain most of the features necessary for a modern apartment But the apartments didn't include kitchens as they were intended for salarymen, which, according to popular media, is a white-collar worker who shows overriding loyalty and commitment to the corporation where he works, enduring long hours that are followed up by after-work leisure activities, such as drinking, singing karaoke, and visiting hostess bars with colleagues. In other words, they don't need kitchens. Now, not all of the capsules were apartments, Many of the spaces also served as private offices for freelancers and contractors. In its later years, some of the rooms were used as crash pads for businessmen who frequently traveled to the area from other parts of Japan but lacked the energy to drag themselves home immediately after their various dealings. Surprisingly, the units had decent built-in entertainment features like TVs and stereos with laundry service handled by in-house staff. The plan included the possibility of detachable pods that could be replaced, repaired, and modernized whenever needed. However, designers overlooked one serious flaw as to implement any changes, all units above the one in question would also need to be removed or detached. Meaning that once the towers were built, they basically remained in place. And as they aged, this flaw would be the one that led to the downfall of the entire concept the tower was scheduled to replace capsules sequentially every 25 years allowing each apartment to remain relatively modern and safe in reality this didn't work out because the process would have required large sums of money and the approval of each tenant to complete the tower missed its first scheduled deadline and then another after 50 years passed the building was truly beginning to show its age and the end was near Japan's infamous 2011 earthquake caused major structural damage to the property, as when it was constructed, no proper earthquake guidelines were followed. Rust was everywhere, and many capsules were starting to leak. By 2021, however, only 30% of the capsule rooms were being used, as the future of the building became uncertain. Of those 30 rooms, only a third were being used as permanent apartments, and on top of that, Tokyo was changing. Perhaps the mere existence of this building was helped by the fact that Japanese architects had much more leeway during the economic miracle than their modern counterparts do now. As we've seen in other episodes, skylines change drastically as they age. New regulations form how they look. So often is the case that artistic buildings are removed and replaced by more bland, modern, utilitarian ones with Tokyo serving as a premium example of this. So in fact, there was only one way the tower's future could play out. Following years of discussion, authorities concluded that the tower's fate was inevitable. And in 2021, the decision was made to dismantle and scrap the entire building. While architectural and historical groups attempted to save a number of the capsules for personal use or study, only 23 still exist. The lack of preservation was likely due to structural decay and asbestos, which would have required significant sums of money to repair or dispose of. And so it was. By the following year, the entire tower was gone. We'll leave it there for today, but please consider clicking join or subscribe to support the channel. And don't miss our video about the paratrooper who got stranded on a church steeple. Until next time, this is Ryan Sokash, signing off.